Hi, John. How's it going? Good afternoon, Jack. I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm good, mate. I am hot. We are in the midst of a mini heatwave. We are currently recording this podcast episode from the surface of the sun. The good thing is um, I'm able to lose weight just by sitting down. Nice. It's really good. And, and um, you can rehydrate using each different type of grape. <laughs> Indeed. Grapes being one of my favourite fruits. Um, I always tend to ask you, well, would you be watching anything decent doing the rounds? Um, not really. There's a few things coming up on Netflix which I'm interested in. Um, I've, I've finished off uh, Murder in the Car Park, which I spoke oh, yeah. about in another episode, which is good, about the yeah. Daniel Morgan murder. That's right. Um, but there's not much been on. I'm running out of things on the on the planner to watch because there's just yeah. a lack of content. I'll tell you what I did watch, which was pretty good. Ross Kemp on Dementia. That was good. Okay. He does those sort of um, documentaries, doesn't he? It's a lot hard-hitting. He used to do that um, Ross Kemp on gangs and travelling around the world and stuff like that. So is he, like, bashing his way through a dementia care home? Yeah. Uh, it's good. Like it, It's quite eye-opening. Yeah, I'm sure it is, actually. What yeah. about you? Uh, well, family film. Um, we did the um, the Michael Jordan Last Dance spin-off movie from mid-90s, Space Jam, which I thought oh, was yeah. goddamn awful, um, although the kids liked it. Actually, talk about my kids. I, I caught Isabella watching um, 16 Candles, which is a John Hughes film with Molly Ringwald. And okay. Like, okay, yeah. Um, I'm not going to stop you watching that. I'm not too sure it's age appropriate, but because it's a John Hughes film, you can watch it. That's nice. Um, Talking about things I'm really looking forward to. Obviously, the Christopher Nolan Tenet film. I don't know if we've mentioned that before, but no. I'm a gut to go and see that at the cinema. Cinemas are now open. Like time, time, play sort of thing that he does, isn't it? I don't, not, I don't know much about it, but I've seen the trailer and it just looks damn awesome. When's that actually out? Don't know. Cool. Cool. Um, so today's episode, we are doing top five rom-coms, romantic comedies. Yeah, probably my least favourite genre of <laughs> all time of anything. Ah, okay. Well, um, just. Yeah, I get that kind of, oh, God. And it's not like, oh, kissy-kissy. <laughs> but yeah. I was doing that to my uh, son the other day. Oh, look at the kissy-kissy stuff. It's like, oh, as he wraps himself in his own blanket. So he doesn't well, I, I think we can be a bit, I think we can push the boundaries of this genre. And I've got three films in my top five that I think you will like. Okay, that's good. I'm actually convinced that you will say those are very good films. Yeah, and... When, when I was looking at this and when I thought a little bit harder, actually, I was like probably skirting around the edges of rom-com, but they are definitely romantic comedies that I've put in my top five. Yeah. And obviously they are films that I've watched and enjoyed. So pretty happy. It's a tough balance with the comedy bit because like a film like Knocked Up or 40 Year Old Virgin is a lot more comedy than it is romantic. Yeah, but that still comes into this, doesn't it? Yeah, but I think some of the mine I've gone for more rom- romantic films that have elements of comedy in them. That's that's interesting because, um, as an honourable mention, I did put the forty-year-old virgin in there. I really just, I just, you know, is it almost more gross out? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's down as a rom-com. 
So I've done something different for this episode because there's not an IMDb list for this genre. It's just a plethora of people's lists that they've created. Okay. I've gone to Rotten Tomatoes to get the official Rotten Tomatoes rom-com list. Okay. And this is based on the Rotten Tomatoes critic score on the tomato meter. Nice. And I probably have... Ketchupometer. I, I've heard of one of the top five and not seen any of them. <laughs> right, okay. So at number five is Crazy Rich Asians. Um, past. 2018, directed by John Chu. 91%. Wow. Well, at, at number four, Roman Holiday. Okay, so that is, uh, I think it's a classic Cary Grant one. Catherine Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. Oh, just, what the hell am I talking about? Yeah. Gregory Peck. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I've written my classics. <laughs> yeah. 1953, 98%. Okay. Then at number three, we've got The Philadelphia Story. Okay, yeah. Try that again. I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass myself, but you Cary know, Grant. That is Cary Grant and Catherine yeah. Hepburn. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, that is 1940, 100% on the tomato wow. meter. Yeah. And then we've got number two, The Big Sick. Yeah, uh, that, I've been meaning to watch that, and apparently it is really, really good. And oh, it's about sure. um, this dude who's a stand-up comedian, but I think he gets cancer or something like that. I don't know, uh, but it's supposed to be really good. Funny, heartfelt and intelligent. 98%, 2017. I think that's on Amazon Prime, by the way. Okay, I'll check that out. And then at number one, It Happened One Night. Yes. 1934, 98%, Clark Gable. That's Clark Gable, sorry. <laughs> Not Cary <Karen laughs> Grant. <laughs> Great. So, so I, none I'm of pushing, those are in my top five. I'm pushing the jack button. I've not seen any of them. <laughs> uh, so, and neither, yeah, so none of them are in my top five either. So this will so be... Pretty much all apart from the big sick and the number one film, which I can't remember what you said now, they're all like really sort of classic, almost like 100 years now. old. Yeah. So, who's in the hot seat today? You can guess the budget and box office again. Okay, mate. So I'll do the I'll do the the fact checking. So, do you want to go first? All right. Um, yeah. Do you just want want to have my top five for some honourable mentions, or just give us a top five, and then okay. obviously there might I've... not be any crossover, but I think there's going to be one crossover at least. In Got there. to be, isn't there? Um, okay, I'm just going to go with um, there's something about Mary. Yes. Um, Ben Stiller, um, actually I don't even think Ben Stiller was um, first choice for this film. I, yeah. I tell you what, I heard that um, Owen Wilson, I think, was first choice for this film, which is really weird because I think they're both in Meet the Parents. Okay. Anyway, this is kind of, yeah. Um, Matt Ron Dillon Tom, as well. Matt Dillon turns up in it. It's like a really nice... What happened to Matt Dillon? Eh? What happened to him? I don't know. I mean, I really like Matt Dillon. I, I, I liked him from, like, the Catholic boys. Yeah, he was in loads of films in the 80s and 90s, and then... Then Go Kid. Disappeared. Well, he had a brother called Kevin Dillon who was in stuff as well, wasn't he? Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it, I mean, so, so funny. Great elements of comedy. 
got Lee Evans in it. He's, he plays the disabled guy in it. Wow. <laughs> He's like a disabled love interest of Cameron Diaz trying to win her affections. And she's like, oh, I'm really like sorry about you. Like, he's just like completely made up. Like, he's he's got a disability and stuff. <laughs> and like Lee Evans, like UK comedy playing fairly big role in a fairly big Legend. film. Um, actually, yeah, Matt Dillon and Cameron Diaz, I, they, they were going out at the time when this was made as well. Okay, I've not seen this film in a very long time, but obviously the the thing that I remember the most from this is the hair gel scene. Yeah. Well, it all kind of kicks off, doesn't it? I mean, I I went in watching this film with fairly low expectations. Didn't really know Ben Stiller at the time, to be fair. And um, the, the kind of the setup is he's he's taking his teenage heartthrob to to the prom. He's managed to score a date, um, but just beforehand or the day of, he gets his basically his penis or his scrotum stuck in his flies. Yeah. And. Um, you know, there's that really painful scene where he's trying to sort of like unzip himself and um yeah, he can't 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 get to the prom and yeah, as you say, there's that classic scene with the um uh the hair product, shall we call it. Um Ben Stiller did did quite a few films before this one. Yeah. But I'm not gonna give away the year. In the preceding couple of years he did several films which definitely put him on the map. Okay. You're not going to tell me what those films were? Uh, so Happy Gilmore, Cable Guy, Mystery Men. But he, but he wasn't that. Oh, Cable Guy, that's Jim Carrey, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But he was in them and he started to appear, you know. Yeah. Happy Gilmore was an Adam Sandler thing, wasn't it? Yeah, the golfer. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely 90s, maybe mid-90s, going to go 94. Uh, four. Ninety-eight. Oh my god, way out actually. For yeah. the nineties, that's way out. Thanks, mate. Budget box office. Budget. Cameron Diaz, Benster. Our uh, budget would be thirty million. Twenty-three, not bad. Okay, all right, okay. Half the price of Superman two. Or Superman, which one was it? It was Superman 2, and it's never going to go away, that, is it? <laughs> but, but to be fair, it felt like there were two films being made, and they just merged the budgets for the two films, because they had two directors, they had two of everything. Yeah, I Come mean, on, there, are, there are several countries' GDP which are not as big as the budget for Superman 2. Um, box office, I'd go... It was a massive hit, wasn't it? Um, 250 mil? It was the third highest grossing film of 1998. Yeah. It made 369 million. Jeez. That's good. It was Farley Brothers, wasn't it, who did this? They, they were quite good. They, were, they, they did, I think they did, did they do Dumb and Dumber? I'm sorry, I'm scrambling to see what the highest right. grossing films were in 1998. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, sorry, so it's false in the world third in America. Wow. Um, Huge. 1998. Titanic? No, what am I talking no, about? No, so 370 million, basically, there's something about Mary. 380 million, Godzilla. <laughs> really? Great. Uh, number two, 480 million, Saving Private Ryan, which we've covered wow. in the war episode. And then number one, yeah. at 553 million... 
Armageddon. Oh. All right. Do you reckon that's because it had an Aerosmith soundtrack? Must have been. Must have been. And that, that 553 million is probably just... Was that Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck? Um, who's the female lead in it? Damn. I can't think. It was a good cast, though. Um, yeah. Liv Tyler. Yeah, it was bloody Aerosmith's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mark Duncan as well, you know, um, John Coffey. It was kind of like, oh, well, everybody enjoyed the Apollo 13 biopic. Let's make this outrageous film that's kind of similar but not. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, it's watchable, though. But anyway. Yeah. It's can, can I just ask, that Godzilla film that was made in 1998, is, did, did, who directed that? And was that the Gareth Evans one? Let me check. Can't be, because that's too early for Gareth Evans to do that. Because I'm sure Gareth Evans did do a, a monster flick. I'm more... Is, is it the one that Jamiroquai did the soundtrack for? That's what I want to know. Wow. It was directed by Roland Emmerich. Okay. <clears throat> starring Matthew Broderick. Yeah, it's a different one. I'm definitely going to have a look at Godzilla by... Um... And, it, and it wasn't the Jamiroquai one either. <laughs> None of those facts. Gareth Edwards... Yeah, he did do. Yeah, he did a 2014 version of Godzilla. Yeah. Only 16 years out from the one that I was referring to, or the one that you mentioned. Oh no, sorry, Jamiroquai did do a song for the film, not the soundtrack. Deeper Underground. And I tell you what, I'm talking absolute shit. So Gareth Edwards did uh, Godzilla, Rogue One, and Star Wars. Gareth. Evans is the other guy who did the Raiden Raid 2. Yeah, okay. Whew, glad we, we cleared anything up so far. No, I mean, I, I am impressed that we've got Godzilla in on a rom com podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. Great so, stuff. That was a good shot, though, mate. Um, I'm going to go in now with one that just squeezed in because I. I I bottled out putting in one of my honourable mentions that was probably more comedy than rom, and that is Hitch. Okay, um, never seen it, never appealed to me, although I really like Will Smith. Yeah. Um, I think he's been in some good stuff. He's been in some utter pants as well. But, yeah, I just, I, yeah. Oh, this is the one where he's a bloody, um, what do you call it? Um... You know, he, he matches people. Yeah, he's like a... Yeah, uh, the clues in the title. <laughs> but yeah, he's like a Cupid kind of matchmaker. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he coaches a, 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 a sort of a client to to get with a celebrity, you know, someone that's completely unobtainable. Um, nice. But it's, I mean, it, I, I don't know what the scores would be for that film in Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. I'm sure it's very low. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it is very low, Jack. 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. Tell me why this makes your top five there. Because I, I, I bottled... I, the honourable mention I was going to put in was Coming to America. Okay. Which so it does is, more like it because I most prefer that film. It's a but... much better film. But I was struggling with, with rom-coms and I thought Coming to America is a bit tenuous. Would you rather watch a Will Smith film or an Eddie Murphy film? Not knowing what film you're going to be watching. 
I'd probably have to say Eddie Murphy on the on the statistical likelihood of it being a better film. Because yeah, like you said, he... Will Smith has made some good films, but he's made yeah. some terrible films. Yeah, definitely. Like Gemini Man and After Earth and yeah. Wild West. <laughs> but Men in Black's great. Yeah. Yeah. What's the one where he's... Um... Ah, I'm not even going to go there. We're talking about rom-coms. Shut up. This yeah. is not a Will Smith podcast. So, what... Tell me the stats for Hitch. Uh, Hitch would have been... Will Smith's been around for so long now. I think he's kind of. Was that, I'm going to go 2003. 2005, not bad. Oh, that's not bad, is it? Um, budget, because by then Will Smith's a pretty big superstar. Um, 45 million. 55 to 70. Bloody hell. I mean, is this just because Will Smith has eaten most of that budget? Yeah, I'm not sure what the difference in that budget is, though. It doesn't say. Okay. But you are going to shit a brick when you find out how much it took in at the box office. Well, on that basis, I'm going to say 580 million. 380. (laughs) I'm still shitting a brick. (laughs) Yeah. 380 million. Okay. Well done, Will Smith and everybody associated with that film. Congratulations. Is, is that one that like, you've got on DVD going to rewatch anytime soon? No. no. Moving on swiftly then to, to one, another one of your picks. Um, my next pick, a bit of a curveball, Silver Linings Playbook. That's on my list. Okay, great, great, great. I knew, that, that is my banker that I thought John's definitely going to pick. Something about this film which... Yeah, really caught me, and I really enjoyed it. And I thought I shouldn't be enjoying this, but I am, and it's a little bit awkward. And I thought, oh well, maybe because it's it's going into that mental health angle, and it's kind of you got vulnerable people, but they're not necessarily that sympathetic. Those people, but I think it's done so well that you really buy into them. I love it, mate. I think it's based on a book, isn't it? Or oh yeah, I think it is actually. I think it is. I. I don't know. I do sort of get what you mean. You sort of feel guilty about liking it, but... Yeah. Because Bradley Cooper's beaten up some guy that was shagging his missus or something. So you're kind of like sympathetic to that, but he's getting banged up. He's got a restraining order. He's been diagnosed with um, bipolar or something. Um, And then meets Jennifer Lawrence's character. She's got some issues as well. Um, And it's then where this kind of, that film kind of sort of gathers pace and momentum and it's and it really sort of touches around the edges about mental illness I it's, think it's so really clever. clever yeah i think it's it it, it for me normalizes being a bit crazy but yeah. in such a nice way yeah yeah like, the film is about love and overcoming stuff and there's weird subplots of the whole dance competition yeah but my favorite bit of the film is actually the whole um, uh, what is it, the, the sweepstake thing or the... Yeah. Well, I knew you were going to mention Robert De Niro in this. Yeah, <laughs> so he's the dad of Bradley Cooper, yeah. who's um, he's a bit of a loser, actually, isn't he? Yeah, he, he just sits at home with his mates all day yeah. watching the football. Well, say he's a loser, he's a hero now. <laughs> but that's good, because it's got the, um, the backdrop is like how... Because it's the Philadelphia Eagles, isn't it? So the backdrop is he's a Phillies Eagles fan, and it's how they're performing, and he 
keeps on putting money either on or against them and this, that and the other, and he's basically just losing his life savings. But the backdrop is, if oh, something to do with the dance competition and if they win it or they do something, that will mean... It's all about that kind of fate, so it's out of your hands. And that, that happens in rom-coms a lot, doesn't it, about fate and things that you can't dictate, but also, you know, if you do something, oh, it's meant to be? Yeah, I mean, they're doing... I, I think in the film they call it a parlay, but yeah, okay. for us in the UK, it's an acca, it's an accumulator, right? Yeah. So I think he's saying if the Phillies lose or win by a certain amount of points, that they have to score a certain amount of points in the dance competition. Like a spread bet, you know, so, that. Where this film falls down a bit for me is is that not much of a mate, is it, if you're having a bet with someone about this, you know, <laughs> potentially completely screw your friend over and also their mentally, mentally unwell son and stuff. But um, I, I just, I love it. I love actually the chemistry between Bradley Cooper and Jennifer. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Um, that really grabs me. And you, and I'm a massive fan of Jennifer Lawrence in a serious role like this. Yeah. And I, I mean, did they win Oscars for this? I'm not too sure. Or runners so up? Was, it was nominated for eight Academy Awards, yeah, and it became the first film since 1981 film Reds, okay. American historical drama, yeah. um, to be nominated for the four acting categories of Best Supporting okay. Male, Best Male, Best Supporting Actress, Best oh, Actress, yeah. and she got the award for Best uh, Actress. So um, she won the Academy Award for this one? Yeah, which I think is, is fair play. Amazing. Um, I don't know who she was up against or who we'll else. We'll check that in a minute. But there's a really great clip on YouTube of someone interviewing Jennifer Lawrence after she's won the Oscar. Yeah. And Jack Nicholson is in the background and sort of pops his head around and he thinks, he thinks she's someone else. And Jennifer Lawrence has this big sort of celebrity sort of moment where she's like, oh my God, it's Jack Nicholson. Oh, yes. You know, and, and he goes, oh, I thought you were... Um, you know, great film, loved it. I thought, sorry, I thought you were a, um, a past girlfriend. Sorry, and she goes, she goes, can I be a current one? So good. And then he he says, well, I've been awesome. thinking about it. <laughs> That's so good. Oh my god! It's a, Jack Nicholson appears in a lot of rom coms. I've noticed in his latter years. I'm like, you know, it's, it's, I'm not I'm not going to spoil it because you might have a few down. I don't think you do, but. Um, no, I don't actually. I don't oh, here's, here's a, here's a um, quick bit of trivia for you. So how old do you think Jennifer Lawrence was and how old was Bradley Cooper when they made this film? I've absolutely no idea. Um, Bearing in mind, they get it on. Do you know what year it... Oh, no. Do you know what year it was? No, I don't. So I'm thinking the year... Well, Jennifer Lawrence must be... Thirty by now, thirty-one, thirty-two. I mean, I'm thinking this film was maybe twenty-four, twenty-five. So, so, so Jennifer Lawrence was twenty-one when she made this. Okay. And Bradley Cooper was thirty-seven. Wow. Yeah, and like to be fair, I'd still do them both. <laughs> <laughs> How old? Preferably together. Wow, I didn't know Bradley Cooper was that old. He looks great for thirty-seven in this film. Well. The interweb could be lying to me because if this film was made in 1982, then it's completely wrong. <laughs> but obviously, well, it wasn't made in 1982. I reckon the film was made in about 2007. 2012. Okay. Okay. So, that, so, yeah, so that's 
the 2012 Academy Awards, or sorry, the 2013 Academy Awards. Yeah. Um, so she got Best Actress. She she beat Jessica Chastain in Zero Dark Thirty. Great film. Emmanuel River in Amour. Yeah, oh, that's a really good film. Um, I can't actually pronounce the next person's name. Quev... Quivenzain Wallace in yeah. Beasts of the Southern Wild. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, Naomi Watts in The Impossible. And Naomi Watts in what? The Impossible. Okay, yeah, that's the um, the tsunami one, isn't it? And I tell you what, the other the other categories are heavy. So Best Supporting Actress, um, Jackie Weaver was nominated. Yeah. Who, who was the mother, I think, was she? Yeah, yeah, she's the mum of uh, Bradley Cooper. She lost, though. Um, Helen Hunt in The Sessions, Sally Field in Lincoln, Amy Adams in The Master, and Anne Hathaway won it for Les Miserables. I can remember Les Mis now. It cleaned up a lot of stuff because it was that live orchestra stuff that they were doing. Yeah. But this was a big film, big year for films, mate, because... The Life of Pi won Best of Director. Mm-hmm. Argo won Best Picture. Great film, love that. Um, Django Unchained won Best Original Screenplay. Oh, right, was that out of them, was it? Blimey. Yeah, so Christopher Waltz got the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. Yeah, it was decent. Robert De Niro in his nomination for Silver Linings Playbook. Um, and Best Actor, Denzel Washington in Flight. Okay. Joe yeah. Quinn Phoenix in The Master. Yeah. Hugh Jackman in Les Miserables. Bradley Cooper in Silver Linings. But who do you think won the Best Actor Oscar? So. Who wins Best Actor Oscars? Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis for Lincoln. Of course. It's like Daniel Day Lewis plays a bit part opening up an envelope. Like, you know not even credited on screen in a film and he'll still win the best actor award quite right too um so that's a that's a big big year and i'm 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 so glad that um, new york jennifer uh, jennifer lawrence has got an oscar there because it's right. thoroughly deserved glad it was in your top five as well mate yeah um, budget box office what are you saying for budget uh, 28 million 21, not bad. God, I'm not, I'm not Which is surprising, budget. actually, because Robert De Niro must chew up most of that. <laughs> yeah, actually, just when I said that figure, I forgot about... Bobby. Chris Tucker's in it as well. Chris Tucker appears, appears in a lot of rom-coms, I reckon. Um, and obviously this did pretty well at the box office. I'm going to go with 172 million. 240. Okay, all right. That's good. So, Jennifer Lawrence was 21, did you say? Apparently. I mean, you can verify this if you like. But she did her first film, was Garden Party, which was in 2008. Okay. She was in X-Men before she was in this. She must you... have been famous before then, though, from something. What's she been doing? Just turn up in the X-Men. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty weird, big film. It? Just to go, oh, we'll just put her in it. Weird. Um, so... You're going to hit me with one? So, so what, I've, I've had Hitch, which isn't a great one. Mate, I mean, that's, that's the equivalent of my craze. So. I think so. I struggled, I told you I struggled. Um, I'm going to give you another bad one now, but it's, 
it's a sentimental one. It's the holiday. So this is is this is this a classic one? No, it's it, well, it's not that old, but it's it's a quite a strange cast, but it's a Christmas movie. Oh yeah. And it is um, Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet do a house swap. Okay. From LA to the UK because of man trouble, and then end up falling in love. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen this, but I remember it being out. I'm thinking, it, I'm definitely not going to the cinema. It's Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jack Black and Jude Law. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't know much about it, but the setup seems like a classic switch. You know, go to somebody else's life, live their, live their life sort of thing. I don't know. Tell me. Yeah, do you know what? I mean, it's fairly sort of paint-by-numbers rom-com, but it's... Well, apart from the apart from the main whole house swap across the world thing, but Cameron Diaz um, breaks up with her uh, boyfriend because he's a douchebag. Uh, Kate Winslet is chasing this guy at the newspaper she works for, but he gets engaged to somebody else. Um, Jude Law's a widower, and Jack Black girlfriend treats him like shit, and they all just fall together and you know end up staying. And it, you know it, it's it's a feel good film. Yeah, it does sound quite nice. I mean, I, I don't mind Jude Law, I don't mind Jack Black, I don't, don't mind Cameron Diaz, and I don't mind Kate Winslet. I actually might watch this film. And my my wife will probably Christmas be happy. To watch. Yeah. So the wife and I watch this every Christmas. And I think it's my wife's favourite Christmas movie, actually. Which really? is a hell of a claim, because obviously Gremlins, Die Hard... Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be saying, hang on a minute, this is fairly low down the Christmas movie packing order. Yeah. Bearing in mind, normally my Christmas movie is a Hitchcock season and a Clint Eastwood season. Yeah. So, and that and that would encompass at least thirty films. So, I don't think you're going to get any of the year budget or box office for this. <laughs> I'm going to go with 1998. You're almost a decade out. 2006. Uh, the budget would be 55 million. The budget is 85 million. Why? Because of all those actors, I would presume. Yeah, but Robert De Niro didn't charge for Silver Linings Playbook, so it doesn't make any sense. Because he wanted to do it because he knew that the film was going to be an Oscar winning film. <laughs> um, and the box office, well, 85 to make this damn thing. Uh, box office, 185. 205, not bad. Oh, okay. um, I, I, it is award winning, though, mate. Is it? So it won the Chick Flick Choice Movie Teen <laughs> Choice Awards. What's those films I get, like the, the, the Wooden Spoon or something? Raspberries. The Golden Raspberries, I think. Yeah. It's a good film, though. So I've given, I've given you two garbage ones and you've stolen my best one. So oh, whatever. sorry, mate. I, well, I'll, give, I'll give you a couple of honourable mentions that I was thinking of and I thought, well, are they kind of rom-coms, but they could fall into other genres, like Tin Cup is definitely a rom-com. Oh, yeah. But it's a sports movie as well. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Is it Helen Hunt in there? Does he do that bet on it where he, he, he who can drive the furthest and right at the end he turns around and just chips it down the road? Is that Tinker? Oh, it might be that one. Yeah, it's, and it just goes like yeah. goes 700 yards perfectly yeah. down the middle of the road bouncing. Um, yeah, the, the famous scene is when he's trying to chip into the green and he keeps on plonking it in the water and goes, just give me another ball. Just give me another yeah. ball. Um, it's weird. Kevin Costner 
has done some great films and recently he's done a really good film but it might come up in another top five so i won't mention it but you know he was a hollywood darling who's now just well you might have, i don't know if he's just said something really nasty to somebody uh, wasn't it Waterworld? yeah but he did some good stuff after that are you sure Waterworld just didn't was that it? it? Was just like, well, you've done Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That's fantastic. Thank you, Brian Adams. Dancers and Wolves. Dancers and Wolves. The Bodyguard. Yep. But actually, Tin Cup was after Waterworld. There you go. He also did The Postman. Mm. Mm. Not so sure about that. Message in a Bottle. And then I think, I think doing Waterworld followed by The Postman followed by Message in a Bottle, I think pretty much ended it for him. Well, um, I'm going to have a look at the film that I did uh, see him in. I thought, actually, that's really, really good. Uh, Was it The Highwaymen? It was... I don't know if it was called... Actually, you know, apparently he was in Hidden Figures. Yeah, he was also in... um... Man of Steel, the Superman film. Wow. It wasn't wow. Um, criminal, was it? Well, I'm just having a look at that. I think it might be that, because that's got Gary Oldman in. And I was like, yes, go Gary Oldman. Okay. Um, I think also a good film that it was, was uh, Mr. Brooks' psychological thriller. That's worth checking out. This is not a Kevin Costner podcast. So he obviously directed Dancers with Wolves and won an Oscar for Best Director. That's decent, though, isn't it? That's great. Anyway. Yeah. How did uh, you get there? Sorry, other honourable mentions that I was talking about, I was going to have Pretty Women in there, just because it was like a coming of age. I quite like the soundtrack. Um, yeah, I, that was in my honourable mentions list as well. I was trying to think of the car that he drove in it. It was a Lotus, wasn't it? But I can't remember which one it was. Was it a Lotus? I think so. I thought it was like a Lambo. Was it? But it might have been a Lotus. Why don't you check that out while I give a few other honourable mentions? It was I, a Lotus. It was, yeah. I meet the parents down there. Yeah, um, Lotus Esprit. Yeah, okay, nice. Like a James Bond nod to the 80s. Yeah. Um, I had the Shaw thing down, John Cusack film. Nice. Pretty much about nothing, really. Guy, spring break, sort of goes down, holiday, gets guaranteed. Um, see if it, anyway. Um, I had a Shakespeare theme going on, much ado about nothing. It's like mid 90s. And Shakespeare in Love. And I think Shakespeare in Love, wasn't that weird? Because uh, who won the Oscar for Best um, Actress but had like only appeared in it for 14 minutes and had three lines? Was it Jane, Dame Judi Dench? I don't know. It's absolutely nuts that. Best Actress? Yeah, check check it out. Best actress was Gwyneth Paltrow. Best supporting actress Judy Dench. That's what I meant. Best supporting actress. But yeah, she had like three lines or something like that. Um, so I, I had four or five honourable mentions, which we've chewed off a few. Uh, I'll give one, and that was one we covered in another episode. Ground. Yeah. Day. Groundhog Day, just so amazing. I think that I think you could call that a rom com. Definitely, mate. It's obviously uh, Andy McDowell. Yeah, Andy McDowell, and obviously the immortal Bill Murray. Immortal. And that we covered it before. That was the film that broke up 
the Ramis Murray friendship. Oh god, yeah. It's so good. Actually, do you know what? That's gonna be family film this weekend, Grand yes. Old Day. I think if I, I love can it. find it, I'll make sure it's available on all good streaming services. So I'm lost now. I've lost track. I've got two left. How many have you got? You've got two left. Hang on, mate. You've got two left. I've got three left. I'm going to hit you with Some Like It Hot. Okay. It's a black and white classic. Um, Marilyn Monroe. I've um, seen this for 15 years. Yeah, I just absolutely love this. I remember with my... My dad showed it to me. He said, oh, this uh, film's on. I think you might like it. And it just romps along. Directed by Billy Wilder, who at the time was just like, you know, churning out these kind of comedy hits. Just brilliant. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, Jack Lemmon. So it's that sort of... Um, oh, they're on the run from uh, some gangsters. So it's set in Prohibition, sort of 1920s. Okay. They're on the run. Um, but they're in a band. And... Uh, they end up sort of cross-dressing to disguise themselves. And then it's kind of like this, it turns into this misidentity sort of comedy. And uh, yeah, they're just, um, yeah, it's just so funny. It's just really good. Oh, it's a classic, isn't it? Have you seen it? I have, but like I said, not for about 15 years. I, I, I sort of vaguely remember Tony Curtis and Marilyn Monroe and, and the whole, um, the, the chase parts of the gangsters, but... There's a bit at the end, I think, where, um, I don't know if it's, uh, I think it might be Jack Lemon's character who, who's disguised as Daphne, and he's, he, she's going out with, like, this rich billionaire who's got a yacht. Um, and obviously it's like, look, this is, this is never going to work. And at, at the end, removes his wig and goes, I'm a man. And, like, the male suitor goes, well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, just like, kind of like left like that. It's like, well, that's odd. Very carry on. <laughs> yeah. And like, obviously, uh, Marilyn Monroe and um, Tony Curtis' character get it on. And that's like, yeah, it's really good. So what year is this? Oh, my God. Well, the black and white, not necessarily that should have a bearing on it, but I'm going to say 1960. Ooh, 1959. Okay, all right. Happy with that. Bit disappointed. It's been one year out. I think you're fine. It is 60 years ago. Yeah. You were you were you were eight years out for the holiday. Yeah, well, because I because I, I, you know, it's just not etched in my brain, is it? <laughs> Some like it hot is an absolute classic, and it's like yeah, um, budget. <sighs> Well, this is hard now, isn't it? Because it's the older films. Um, I'm going to go with like five million. Two point nine. Okay, well, that's not far out, is it? Um, and box office, I will go with fifty-five. Not bad again, forty. Okay. So this was nominated for six Oscars. Okay. Best yep. director, best actor, best director. <laughs> best director, best actor, adaptive screenplay, cinematography, black and white, art direction, black and white, costume design, black and white. And it won the Oscar for best costume design, black and white. Okay. But. Um, good costumes. Yeah, obviously good costumes. Um, so we've got two, two a piece left. Okay. 
Mine, uh, mine's about to get better. Okay. <laughs> Fine, go on then, hit me with it. So I'm, I'm, I hope you'll agree, because I really, really enjoyed this film. About time. Epic, mate. Just yeah. like, it's in my top five as well. So, um, Is it yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. I just, and, it, I, and I think this is a Richard Curtis film. And I was like, uh, I got this sort of begrudging respect for Richard Curtis because he's obviously done other things like um, Notting Hill and um, what's that? Four Weddings? Four Weddings. Um, Richard Jones's Diary. Yeah, he's done all that kind of stuff. And it's like hugely successful. But I think he had a hand in the Blackadder stuff back in okay. the day um, with Ben Elton. So that all that stuff's really great. And then about time comes along and I'm just like, don't really like Bridget Jones. Don't like all this movement. Don't like uh, all these females queuing up to go into the cinema. I still my nutting. Um, then about time comes along and I, I was just totally bowled over with it. So, I mean, the, the only thing, like, the, the, there's... There's two negative parts about this film for me, but I don't mind one of them. And that is, obviously, there are continuity or paradox, or whatever you want to call it, holes in it all over the place yeah. um, with the whole time travel thing. Yeah. But I just think they have dr massively got the casting wrong of oh, really? the lead female. Um, but the lead female is... Rachel McAdams. Yeah, OK. But Donald Gleeson is... Just bang so on. Good. Uh, obviously, Bill Nye is so good. Bang on. Uh, also, Margot Robbie's in it. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, it, I kind of like um, that Rachel McAdams. Actually, I agree with you there because I don't think she comes across as particularly likable. And I don't know what else she's been in, but she's not. Mm, she's, she doesn't. Yeah. Like doesn't work for me. I think I, I don't know if I could tell you who I think should be in it, but I just I don't know. I think. But certainly made up by Bill Nye, just being brilliant in literally everything he does. And Donald Gleeson's just incredible in it as well. I think he's massively underrated. Um, Mate, would... massive, massive relief. I just found Groundhog Day on Netflix. Thank you. Oh, anyway. good. <laughs> I, um, I think Donald Gleeson's massively underrated. He, he was also in a great episode of uh, Black Mirror. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, the woman, um, you know, her boyfriend dies and gets him cloned. Yeah. Um, so good. Yeah. Donald Gleeson has been in some really good stuff, actually. Is he related to Brendan Gleeson? Was that completely different people? Let's have a look. Yeah, he's he's. Brendan Gleeson's son. Oh, so related. Um, Brendan so Gleeson, amazing. The, the, my two favourite bits about this film, though, one of them is the um, the the sort of very strange scenario that if you tra time travel after you've had a baby, that <laughs> it completely changes the baby because there's too many things. Right. You know, so he he does time travel after he's had a baby, and he comes back, and the baby's completely different. Because um, obviously he's changed the space-time continuum. It was a different sperm that won. Um, uh, yeah, okay. But the relationship, my favourite bit is obviously the relationship between yes. him and his dad, and the, the the scene where they both time travel back and break the rules and yeah, you know, God, God, one last time, son. Yeah. And there's and, that uh, there's that bit on the beach where the the the, the younger the son, that kid is apparently Richard Curtis's son. Oh right. 
but it's just like I'm I'm holding back tears watching that shit. Yeah, I mean they play they play ping pong. Oh, um, brilliant. It, they both know as well, you know. Like there's a bit there's a scene earlier when he has to tell him that he's terminally ill. Yeah. Um, and he can't fix it. He's tried everything. Um, and then there's a scene later on when obviously the son visits the dad for the last time. Yeah. And he knows that as well. And that that I can forgive all the the you know continuity errors with the time travel just for the the magic of those moments. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? There's a bit when um, Bill Nye's like on a sofa reading his book and Domino Gleeson comes in, and it's it's so well acted because as a viewer you all kind of you're all in on it. And Bill Nye, he just looks at Domino Gleeson and goes, ah, yeah, it's this time then, is it, it's son? And it's just like, drop the mic. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and actually, I'm, this is my one to watch, I think, um, for this episode. Nice. Yeah, OK. That's good. I'm really pleased that you got it in there. Um, so you've got one more? Yeah, you've got to do year budget box office. Oh, shite. Sorry, mate. Um... So the year of this will be... Um, 2010? 2013. Yeah. God, I thought it was older than that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 2010. Budget. It was a British film, Richard Curtis. I'm going to go with about... It's a fairly big budget, I think, for Britain. 45 million? 12. <laughs> <laughs> That's Superman 2. Honestly, I'm never forgiven. How, how, could you, how could you think this was more expensive than Superman 2? Because Superman 2 was made in 1980 freaking 8 or whatever. <laughs> I think it was older than that, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, can we which, edit this out? Which is why it's 1980, mate, which is why it's even more shocking. That Superman 2 figure's wrong. I need to erase that from my memory somehow. I need a minority report my head off. Um, so 12 and a half million quid. Yep. Rachel McAdams, Margot Robbie, Domino Gleeson, Bill Nighy, directed by Richard Curtis, 12 and a half million. I reckon yep. we could raise the funds for this kind of film. Jesus. Easy. And it's like only 13 years, no, it's only seven years ago. Yeah. Bloody hell. Um, Box office, 62. 88. Oh, okay. Right. It's also got Rich, uh, Richard Griffiths in it, which is his last film. He was uh, Uncle Monty from With Nell and I or something like that, wasn't he? Yeah. And he obviously did that BBC series as The Chef or something like that. Yeah. Good actor. Amazing. Amazing. So, have, have you got two? Or? Well, basically, I've got one more because I had about time in mine as well. Right. I'll throw a couple of honourable mentions in here. And one's a bit weird. Have you seen a film called Her? No. It's got, like, um, it's Whacking Phoenix in it. And he's, um, I don't know if he's, like... It's Scarlett Johansson as well. Um, so Scarlett Johansson plays, like... I suppose the computer, <laughs> and he falls in love with her because I think of her voice and stuff like that. Definitely worth looking this one out. Really good, and obviously go. it's got Wacken Phoenix in it, who's amazing. Um, and the other, I have one last honourable mention as well, which probably will come up in a different genre. Um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. 
Okay, interesting. <laughs> okay, I've just got to park that there because I'm pretty sure that's going to come up in another genre. So, um, is it rom-com? Yeah, boy gets girl sort of thing. Yeah, it's quite nice. I think so. Yeah, teen rom-com. Um, do you want to do your final film then? Well, is your is your last one that good? Oh, no, it's not. Okay, right. Let no, me no, do... I'm not saying mine is, but I just did About Time. Yeah, well, let me do mine then. Um, so my final film... <clears throat> Are you ready for this? Is The Princess Bride. Wow. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> really? Is that... No, oh. no, no, not shit. I just would never have guessed you, you'd say that. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, it's... It's one of those ones where... Um, it's not particularly deep, dark material or anything like that, but it's just, it's, I think it's become a cult classic status film. And it's got some great actors. It's got Andre the Giant in it, for God's sakes. It's wow. got Robin Wright in it, who's an absolute babe. Um, and it's got loads of sort of like really daft, quotable lines in it. Um, it's got Peter Falk and Fred Savage in it. So Peter Falk is like the granddad who's telling Fred Savage's grandson the fairy tale. And it starts off in his house. And then obviously that goes into the story. And then um, I think um, at the end, um, I think Fred Savage is a grandson says something like, oh, can you tell me um, another fairy tale to tomorrow night? And Peter Fogg says, um, as you wish. And as you wish is like the catchphrase of like the hero in the fairy tale. Okay. It's just like, it's quite cute. It's just like quite a nice little touch there. Um, but yeah, it's got some, it's got some great actors in it. Um, it's got some great lines in it. It's got some great scenes in it. And it feels a bit low budget and we'll get onto the budget in a minute. But it's just... Yeah, just. I don't think I've seen this for a very long time. Um, just some stupid scenes in it as well. So what what's made you pick this then? Like, because I just think it's a cult classic, and nice. you know it's a fairy tale, and <laughs> but it's a fairy tale with twists, and it's kind of mocking. It's almost like spoof. You're you're a big Columbo fan as well, aren't you? Well, my my wife. <laughs> uh, yeah, we love Columbo. Who doesn't love Columbo, yeah, right? Exactly. Come on. Great. Was he a cigar-smoking, Mac-wearing maverick? Yeah, that's call him. exactly what he was. So good. I mean, Peter Falk's dead now, but, I mean, I can remember, it, as a kid, I mean, Columbo was, like, literally on hard rotation on BBC Two. It was, like, never off. Really? Absolutely fantastic. I mean, I could go and watch a Columbo. This afternoon, no problem. Just chew one of those off. Yeah, easy. Uh, that, so that's a, a curveball. I'm not saying it's a bad film. I just curveball. Yeah, do a little bit different. I don't even know if it's in any of the top rom-coms of all time or anything. Like, it's probably in the fantasy section. Or something. I would say so. Yeah, or like children. Yeah. Um. So, year budget box office. Uh, year. I'm gonna go with ninety-three. 87. Oh, yeah, I'm way out, really. I should have had that. A film of my time, I should have got a lot closer than that. <laughs> um, so, eight, 87, so the budget's going to be... 7... No, 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 easy. Ease up, ease up. 
Um, the budget's going to be... Eight point two million. Sixteen. Oh god damn <laughs> Okay. Um and the box office sixty seven. <laughs> Thirty. Thirteen. Thirteen. Thirty. Thirty. So I was half on the I was, yeah, I was 50% one way and then 50% the other way. Whatever. Um, so, my last film, I thought you might have picked this, actually. Okay. But I'm not I sure. You have to give me a clue. So, I think this is you in a different life. Oh, my God. I'm a bit... Well, oh, actually, let me... I think if you could... If you could pick a job to do in the world, this would probably be on the list. Right? I, I know you'd, you'd want to work in film or music. And if you yeah. couldn't actually do that, I think you would do this. Would it be a sports-related thing? Nope. It's not Wimbledon, is it? Nope. Thank God for that. <laughs> um, so it's not sports-related, not music, not film-related. Yep. Wow. Um, but it's a job that I could do with like commentary, being a librarian, reading books. What? No, is that is that what you want to do? I tell you what it is. It's owning a record store. It's, it's owning a record store. The other high records. Is it about a boy or something? What's it? So, high fidelity. High fidelity. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Um, do you know what their record label's called? God. High fidelity. This is. Who the? This isn't. Who's in it? It's not John Cusack in it. It's John Cusack, yeah. I can't, but yeah, it's mad. Right, okay. Um, no, go on. So the the well, the record store is called Championship Vinyl. Okay, nice. But his record label is called Top Five. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. The, the the thing that the thing that I love about this, like obviously we'll talk about it for a little bit, but. He he's having a crisis because he's you know he doesn't know if he should be with his long-term girlfriend and he gets dumped and he, he's yeah. you know, he's narrating that his mental health problems basically, but he goes through recategorizing and organizing all of his records, and there's this moment where I think he's talking to his friends and they say are oh, you you putting them in alphabetical order or what and he goes no I'm putting them in autobiographical order, nice. so when I bought them and listened to them not what year they were out or anything. So I've got to remember that I first heard this song in the summer of this year, but actually it was released in X or whatever. And I can imagine that being something that you would do to your records. Thanks, mate. No, that's not a bad thing. It's all right. Because it's the kind of thing that I would do with my record collection, just, just for something to do. Yeah, but it's got a good cast. John Cusack, Jack Black... Um, Lisa Bonet. Oh, I'm Lisa pretty Bonnet. sure Joan Cusack's in it as well. Crosby show. Yeah. What happened to John Cusack? He disappeared as well. He, he did. Uh, he has done some good stuff though, hasn't he? He's done some sort of like he's. He's never going to win an Academy Award sort of thing. Although now we'll probably find out that he has. Um, but he's, I think he's done some great things. Not I recently. Mean, I haven't mentioned this thing from the eighties. He did a film. I, which I think was a John Grisham book on 
um, I think was it called the jury? Um, where it's about like a, a rifle lawsuit case. Okay. It's been in so much. Stuff. That is a great film, by the way. What's uh, it called then? That film then. The Runaway Jury. It's based on John Grisham. Okay. The Runaway Jury. Um, anyway, so. I'm just going to have to do some John Cusack stuff here because it is absolutely mental what he's been in. Um, Hot Tub Time Machine 2. <laughs> right. No, he's been in um, Maps of the Stars, which is quite sad. Um, he's been in oh, Hot Tub Time Machine 1. Um, I've seen, I'm just looking at his filmography now. For the last 10, 10, 15 years, most of his stuff has been direct-to-video or Chinese releases. Which is a bit of a shame, considering that he was in things like Serendipity, High Fidelity, Being John Malkovich, Pushing Tin, The Thin Red Line. I mean... What happened to him? Amazing. Gross Runaway point. Jury was 2003. Oh, right, 2003. Okay. And then after that, he just sort of doesn't do anything. Oh, that's so sad. So is Runaway Jury, Gene Hackman, the yeah. Hoffman sort of thing? Rachel Vice. I need to have a look at that one. What? Obviously not a rom-com. No. But it's good. So obviously High Fidelity, um, um, I thought you might have picked this. Okay. Um, but it's the classic kind of... I think you know you know when, you know when you talk about unconscious bias and things like that. Yeah. Now, this is written by Nick Hornby, and I know he's an Arsenal fan, so immediately I won't like anything that he's ever written or done. Okay. And Fair. I'm just saying that out loud, but I think there's probably some unconscious bias there. Maybe. Um, it's a shame. <laughs> yeah, obviously that's not true, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, what actually happens in this film then? So he's got a, like. It's a bit like, oh, what am I going to do in my life? Midlife crisis, and then falls in love with somebody, right? Well, he owns a record store. He's basically, you know, he, he's a loser to everyone, but the few people in the record store yeah. that he can, he can quote facts to about every record that's ever been made. And, you know, he's the sort of person that probably won't like a band if they become mainstream and won't wear their T-shirt. Just like the way that you're equating this to my life, and he's a loser. <laughs> then, no. Thanks, mate. Um... So he he also one of the running themes of the film is they have to create top five lists for everything. That's so, you know, right. Top yeah. five women, top five this, you know. Um, but it, basically, he he's in a dilemma of does he does he try and chase the the long term girlfriend that's dumped him that he's pining for, but he does fall in love. Um, you know, with somebody else, and then I think he comes to the realization that it's it's the existing girlfriend, yeah. sort of long-term girlfriend that he needs to to stay with, um, and it's kind of like a full circle thing, which which is different because usually it's people falling in love for the first time rather than getting back with their ex in a rom-com. Nice. Catherine yeah, Zeta-Jones is in it as well. Catherine Zeta-Jones, Jack Black. Tim Robbins. Yeah. Uh, is J um, Bruce Springsteen's in it? Bruce Springsteen as himself in a cameo. Wow, brilliant. Nice show there, mate. I really like that one. Probably do need to revisit it. Um, 
Fine, let's let's tie this baby off then. Year budget box office. It's going to be nine. It's one of those Brit rom coms. Nineteen ninety-seven. Two thousand. <laughs> wrong decade. <clears throat> um, budget is going to be twenty million. Thirty. Okay. Box office is going to be eighty. Forty. Jesus Christ, that was a flop. It's not done well at all. Uh, but I like it, I think it's... Yeah, good. Regardless so, of um, financial performances, doesn't doesn't make a good film, right? No. Um, well, let me just check the rating. 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. That's good. So it's just not done well at the cinema for whatever reason. Um, what what are you saying? So I've said my one to watch is about time. What is your one to watch? Um, I'd probably say Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, get that. Get out there and watch that if you haven't seen it. Um, get out, Daniel Gregory. You obviously you didn't like this topic, but I think you chewed off some good films. And and I've really enjoyed it actually. So so it's good that I've you've really, enjoyed it. Um, I have really enjoyed it. What would you pick? You 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 can pick the next episode then. What what do you want? Well, blimey, that's that's a biggie. I think we should go for um, best directors. Wow. Okay. <laughs> or our favourite directors, our top five directors. I think that is a, a huge, huge, great shout. And I reckon, I, I immediately think, well, that's going to be a piece of piss. But actually, I don't think nah. it will be because it's I be think horrendous. it's probably ten. It's going to be horrendous, mate. Well, tune in next time for that then. Best directors. Um, how do we rank them though in terms of IMDb Rotten Tomato list? Whoever's won the most Oscars or what? I just think it'll be. Who's uh, grossed the most? Collection of most favourite films. No, but I mean, you know, IMDb list. Line, IMDb yeah. list would like be uh, award winning, won't it? Yeah, or highest grossing. Either. Okay, Either we'll do that. Yeah, nice shout. Thanks for listening, everyone, all over the globe. Thanks, Argentina. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Bye.